into my message, I want to just let you know I covet your prayers today. I'll be speaking at a, I'll be taking part in a service today at 2.30 for a lady who is a member of our church for many, many years. She moved up north. I pastored her for my first three years at Orlando Baptist Temple. Uh, she worked in our kitchen and worked in, uh, the, she was the, the, the lady that handled all of our lunches for our Christian school and handled the kitchen. Her name was Miss Florence Rogers. Sweet, sweet lady. And uh, about the time I was getting to know her, she moved up north to live with her daughter. But she has gone to heaven. And uh, she's gone further north, amen? Gone up to be with the Lord, the, the, the great place. I know she was born again. I know she loved the Lord. And there's no doubt in my mind that we'll see again and we'll meet again. But I'm going to be handling a service today. And I'm really hoping and praying in this service that uh, maybe somebody will be saved. And uh, it'll be at 2.30. I hated the time frame on it. It, it was out of my hands. But... It was already scheduled with the funeral home by the time they got a hold of us, and, and there was no way we did attempt to try to move it uh, for the sake of those that we wanted to go to it as well, but, but it just worked out that way. So I prayed about it. I feel the Lord would have me to go ahead and have a chance to preach, to see some folks saved. And the Lord has blessed us with a very good assistant pastor who's going to be preaching here at 3 o'clock, and I praise the Lord for that because, boy, I tell you, it gives me a little bit of freedom to do things when these kind of things come up, to know that you're still going to get a great message here from somebody who loves you and loves this church. And uh, I feel that I need to go preach this service today. But I tell you what, I hope you'll pray for me. These uh, funerals are always nerve-wracking and a little, 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 uh, uh, you know, a little more on the edge when you do a funeral. But you're always hoping that somebody will come to know the Lord as their Savior. We want to definitely work to pay tribute to such a great lady, a good lady. Just uh, when she moved away, we sure did miss her. Some of you remember her. How many of you do remember Miss Florence? Yes, very good, very good. Several of you do. And... Uh, just a wonderful person, wonderful person. All righty, I want you to join with me. We've already read our text here, and that was found in 1 Peter chapter 5. And in verse 8, it simply makes this statement. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Dear Lord, I come to you today. I want to be a blessing to our church, and I want to... I guess teach this morning more than actually preach. I want to talk with people, not preach at people. I don't want them to feel that it's me against them, but it's, it's us against the, the world. It's us against Satan who wants to destroy everything that is so dear to you and important to us as well. Lord, I hope our people will realize that there is a real living entity walking amongst us as a roaring lion that old devil wants to destroy. He wants to devour. He wants to, to kill. And Lord, I pray that we'll be sober, as the verse says, aware, alert. And Lord, I pray that today I can be a part of the alert system. I saw this week where we received on our phone a text that was part of the presidential alert system, a way for the government to be able to send messages to us in case of emergencies. Lord, I pray that today I can be your alert system delivering a message to these folks that could save their marriage, it could save their children, it could help them, Lord, not become devoured by this lion called Satan. I want to encourage them to tighten up their homes, and I pray you'll use me to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. This is not a good day for the home. Satan has sought and succeeded, I might add, in destroying the sanctity of the home. There can be no doubt that this is one of the foundations that he has sought to destroy. 
Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? When I think about those foundations, if I start listing them in my mind, I, I think about the foundation of the church. It is absolutely true that the devil has succeeded in his attack on the foundation of the church. For many homes today are out of church. They do not attend. There is no regular practice of going to church anymore. And by the way, our country is in great peril. The Bible says that in the end times, perilous days will come. Troubled days. I want to suggest that one of the reasons we live in such perilous times is that the devil has attacked the practice of church going and has succeeded in the minds and hearts of many people. There are many people that are post-church attending people. It's been years, been years. I don't know how it happened, and I don't know why it happened, but I do know it has happened, and I do know the devil has sought to destroy the foundation. The foundation of America was godliness, and in that foundation, what kept that message ringing in our country were the pulpits of America. And when those pulpits, and by the way, they haven't gone silent. There are still preachers all over America preaching truth. You can't drive five miles in America that you don't pass dozens of churches. All those churches have some congregation, but many of them often have more pews than they have people. The, the message is still being preached. It, it's not that the churches have gone silent. The interest in the American public has gone silent. And there are people who just no longer have time for church. They have no interest in church. They have no interest in Sunday school. They are not going to raise their children. We talked about the Ten Commandments in Sunday school this morning. Do you realize statistically there are literally tens of thousands of American school-age children, if you ask them to quote the Ten Commandments, they have never even heard of the Ten Commandments. There was a time when it was framed and posted in every schoolhouse in America. Y'all are aware that there has been governmental attacks through very powerful legal organizations to remove each and every one of those Ten Commandments in our public schools where literally hundreds of thousands of children are being indoctrinated with all the isms of the world, but yet the Ten Commandments has been outlawed. No longer is it allowed to be portrayed in many schools. It used to hang in courthouses. It used to hang in government buildings. Those days are gone, aren't they? Do you think that was by accident? Or do you believe that that was an attack of Satan to destroy a fundamental foundation of our country? On the Ten Commandments, we, we looked at this in Sunday school, hang all of the laws of our society. It is the foundation stone that all moral, philosophical, ethical beliefs are based on. Now, we understand that there are laws. Laws are things that are imposed upon us and enforced upon us by government or rulers or powers that be. You understand that's what a law is, right? You understand that an ethic is a law that you impose upon yourself. You're not going to go to jail for breaking an ethic, but an ethic keeps you doing right. You know, there's a lot of things that the police aren't really going to get that upset over. I mean, if you're in Walmart and you steal a zero candy bar, put it in your pocket, walk around the store. I've seen people literally get a candy bar off the shelf. When I used to work at Walmart, we'd find candy wrappers stuffed everywhere. 
where people will be shopping and they just grab a candy bar off the shelf, walk around the store eating a candy bar. When they're done, they just stop. You know what? Walmart has cameras everywhere. They know you're doing it. It's just not really worth it for them to go call the cops over a dollar candy bar. You know what I'm trying to say? Now, kids, I'm not encouraging you to steal. It, you know, they may really wreck your day, call your parents, and that may be... The truth of it is, you know why a lot of people steal? Because they know they can get away with it. Now, that person, if they knew 100% sure that if they took that candy bar, they would get caught, and they would be humiliated, embarrassed, possibly arrested, they wouldn't do it. Would you agree? Well, the reality is, here we are. Somebody, is President Trump trying to get a hold of us right now? <laughs> I asked God to use me as a message, so hey, man, maybe you're getting a text from God right now. Here's my point. You know why some of you have thought about taking a candy bar and you knew you could get away with it and you knew that even if you got caught, it wouldn't be a big deal. But you know why you didn't do it? Because you have ethics that you have imposed on yourself. That you have said to yourself, I can do it, I won't get caught. Nobody's going to care, but it's wrong. Why is it wrong? Because God says, thou shalt not steal. And out of that, I have formed an ethic that says, don't do it. Now, without that law being there, you cannot formulate an ethic in your moral thinking. Therefore, when the temptation comes, the only question you're asked is not, should I do it, is can I do it? Can I get away with it? We live in a world of people who lack ethics. Their only question is, how can I do it and get away with it? Now, the Christian understands that the eyes of God are always watching. We understand through those principles and laws. We develop ethics, and the government has laws. It's against the law to steal. But beyond that law, there ought to be a development of ethics. And the devil has destroyed the foundation of ethics and principled living because he has removed from our country the Ten Commandments. Now, listen, we can be mad at the public schools, but here's the secret I want to give you. It was never really their responsibility anyway to teach the Ten Commandments to your kids. I'm glad they did at one time, and I wish they still would, but we can't be mad at them if our kids are ignorant. We used to have kids that would come here on Saturday when Brother Ron Richardson was here bridging the gaps. These were kids that had been arrested and had been caught doing things. One of the things he would do every time a new kid would come in, he would meet with them. He'd ask them this question. I saw him do it dozens of times. Do you know the Ten Commandments? You know how many times there were kids that he had to stop and literally explain what the Ten Commandments is? They'd never heard it. Never seen it. Didn't even know that it was in the Bible. Never even heard the phrase, the Ten Commandments. Now you think that's impossible. I witnessed it over and over and over again. Now, we can be mad at the legal forces that have pulled it out of our courtrooms, and they've pulled it out of our schoolrooms, and they've pulled it out of the hallways of government buildings. But honestly... If your kid doesn't know the Ten Commandments, it's your fault. I'm going to hide behind the pulpit now. When your kid grows up and they are morally void of any character, when they are suffering from severe moral malnutrition, it is because you 
allowed the devil to destroy the foundation of biblical knowledge. I don't understand parents that come in and skip Sunday school with little kids. I, I just don't get what you're thinking. How you feel you're going to raise a child in this world? Now, they're getting probably a big dose of curse word written rap music in your car throughout the week, and you're doing it even devoid them of 20 minutes of Sunday school, which is about what teaching. I don't get that. Yet church after church after church reports that Sunday school is down. Parents aren't bringing their kids to Sunday school. I'm going to tell you, you're letting the devil destroy a foundation that you're going to one day regret when your kid has no moral foundation. Well, it's that public school system. I'm going to tell you something. I'm, not, I'm for Christian education. But if you have a, a godly home, that is where your kids need to be learning the Bible. They need to be learning it in their church. It's up to us in our homes. You and your church together teaching your children about God. Get into Sunday school. Get back on Sunday afternoon. Well, I'm tired. You know what? The world's ran by tired people. I don't tell you when you're going to get really tired, when you're having to go stand in a courtroom all the time to bail your kid out of jail because they don't know the Word of God. It's not burning in their heart. They have no knowledge of right or wrong. And you're going to spend their teenage years screaming at them instead of just trying to gently coach them. The devil's out there. Believe me, the devil wants your child. Make him nothing more happy than for him to watch you watch your child rot away in a jail cell. There's nothing he wants more than to watch your child look at you and look at you and say, you're a hypocrite, why should I listen to you? You go to church on Sunday morning and you live like the devil Monday through Saturday. Why would I care what you have to say about anything? I'm going to tell you what happened. You let the devil destroy a huge foundation in your home. Now, you just have to decide as a parent, is it that important? Did you give birth to a child so you could watch him rot away in a jail cell? Did you give birth to a child so you could watch him live a miserable life, making one bad decision after the next, after the next, after the next? That's not what you wanted. The reality is, there's a devil out there. He's not nice. He doesn't play by rules. He doesn't care how many tears you cry, how much you love your home, your children, your husband, your wife. He doesn't care how much you love your friends. He wants to destroy them. We're seeing foundations being destroyed. We're seeing the foundation of the church being destroyed, the foundation of the laws of God being destroyed, the foundation of the will of God in people's lives being destroyed, the foundation of the home itself. The devil has spent a lot of energy trying to attack the foundation of godly homes. And by destroying the home, Satan has brought these three things. First of all, he has brought a collapse in the local church as solid families are becoming rare. Listen, as a church, we have definitely suffered from the collapse of the home in our church. We have lost family after family after family, not because they were mad at me or because they had an issue with, with one of you, but because their marriage fell apart. And when it fell apart, their spirituality, their walk with God, their attendance to church fell apart with it. The devil won victories there. We're seeing collapses in local churches as solid 
families are becoming a very rare thing. Statistics tell us that 70% of the United States marriages are now ending in divorce. 70%. The devil has destroyed the foundation of the home. There's a world of, of, of broken homes out there that are not functioning as God planned and as God designed. And it's frustrating. I remember about four or five years ago, I had a marriage seminar that went through the weekend that went all the way through Sunday and we had meals and it was free and everybody could come. I remember how frustrated I was as a pastor. There were several families in our church that I knew were struggling in their homes, struggling with their marriages, struggling with problems. And we had these seminars and we had a good group. We had people that came. I could not get, I failed to get every single one of those families that I knew were struggling. Not a one of them came to even one minute of that seminar. Now, I wish I could tell you it ended well. Those three families that are in my heart and mind that I'm thinking about right now, all three of them, their marriages are in divorce now. Their marriages are past tense. And by the way, it wasn't just their marriage. They had kids. I never hear anything good now about those kids. Those kids are all, all in all kinds of manner of sin. All three of those families, and I couldn't get them to come. And, they, and, and there were some families that did come, and some of them had ended up in divorce court. But, but I'm saying that those three, they, and I remember thinking, is your marriage not worth working on? And I don't know that it would have helped. It certainly wouldn't have hurt. Amen? But we're seeing a collapse in the local church. Our churches are not solid anymore. Because we're not being filled with solid families. And this is not just an inner city Pine Hills problem. I, I preach all over America. Churches everywhere are asking, where are families at? Why do you not see a mom and a dad and their kids sitting in a pew together anymore? Whatever happened to dads coming to church with their kids and men that, that stay together and stay through the problems and they, that old saying, you, know, you stay, don't stray. Whatever happened to all this? Well, the devil attacked the foundation. He was good at it. He's been successful. He succeeded. The devil has caused the local church to have a collapse. Number two, the devil has called a world of immorality and confusion that has sprung up from it. Things like no commitment, fatherless homes, a deterioration in the next generation from the examples set before them. It just seems like our kids get worse and worse with each generation, but sadly they're following the examples put in front of them. Am I talking to any truth this morning? Listen, it's not a convenient truth, not a pretty truth. But we're watching as the devil has succeeded in this attack. And it seems like every generation takes it to another level. We can clearly see that there is an attack on the virtues, the morals and order that God gave man through marriage. Satan hates marriage. Did you know that? Satan hates marriage. Say that with me. Satan hates hates marriage. He hates it for these two reasons. Number one, because God designed it for man's good. You know, God created Adam and Eve, put them in a garden. We see that Adam was created first, that he dwelt there in the garden. And God said that, I looked at this and it was good. And I looked at this and it was good. And we see him come all the way down to Adam. Suddenly he looks at Adam and says, this is not good. The first time we see God not pleased with the system that he had set in order was when he looked at Adam and he said this, 
It is not good that the man should be alone. So God created Eve, and then God instituted the home. He instituted marriage. It was his design, his divine order. And he said, it's, Adam needs a help meet. He needs somebody to complete him. So he created Eve. And boy, the devil hates the design of marriage because it's God's design. God said it is not good for man to be alone. God then did what was good for man. Somebody say amen if you believe that. God did what was good for us. Therefore, God says home is a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. God later on inspired the apostle to write, he that findeth a wife, finish the verse, who knows? Findeth a good thing. It's good. It's good. Is it without problem? No. Men and women are opposites. We can't be just alike and complete each other. It requires character. It requires a lot of things. We'll get into some of that later. But it was God's plan. Therefore, the devil hates it. Number two, the devil hates it because he loves disorder and confusion. He's the author of confusion, the Bible says. Destruction of the home brings both to society. I'm going to tell you something, the destruction of your home will bring confusion to your little kids growing up in the middle of it. Now, this is not comfortable, but it's factual. It's factual. Now, it is not impossible to raise good kids in a split home. Some of the finest pastors I've ever met were raised by single moms. Some of the best men that I have revered and respected in all of my life were raised by single moms, good moms, moms who did the best they could, and they raised those kids in church and got them to church and, 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 and put them around godly men that could help in those areas. By the same token, our prisons are full of people sitting there blaming mom and dad for why they have lived a life of crime, some of it dating back to their parents splitting up when they were little and all the things that we all hear. But I do know this. The devil knows that his odds of destroying children go way up if he can destroy mom and dad's marriage. So he loves the disorder and confusion. The destruction of a home brings both. I want you to remember this. Christ constructs. He builds. The devil destructs. He destroys. Say that with me. Christ constructs, the devil destructs. Now, say it loud. Say it loud. Come on, everybody. Do you believe that? There is nothing that God has ever done that wasn't good in its original intent. It became bad when the devil got involved with it. People ask, why do we have to have cancer? Why do we have to have cancer? Well, the devil got involved. It wasn't God's will that Adam and Eve would ever die. Death was a curse put on man after the devil deceived man. Well, I tell you, the old devil wants to bring destruction into your marriage, into your kids, into your relationships. And why does he work so effectively? Because most of us don't believe he even exists. Somebody said one time that the greatest trick that Satan ever pulled on mankind 
was when he convinced the world that he did not exist. In most cases, the devil's influence brought in by us, right into our homes. He doesn't have that much obstacle to get through in most cases. Man, he's destroyed this foundation. He loves the disorder. He loves the confusion. He loves the sadness and the, the heartache that a destroyed home gives birth to. There's a third thing I want to bring to your attention. By destroying the home, Satan has brought, number three, a messed up and disorganized world. A messed up and disorganized world. Listen to me, and I'm not trying to make any enemies today, but this is a truth that needs to be preached. And some of you, there's no way I can help you. The devil's already done his handiwork in your life. And Man, you just got to give it to the Lord and put yourself under the grace of God and you've just got to say thank you, Lord, for, for second chances. And I like that old saying, if you're on the wrong road, God allows you, you turn. And people have messed up and found grace and forgiveness and, and you can too. But I want you to remember as you're sitting there mad at me what I'm about to say, that there are people here that their life is still ahead of them. There are young people here that are still looking forward to marriage one day. There are young people here that are never have never walked this aisle. They're looking to get married, and they want to be married, and they want to have a godly home. And if I have to not teach on these things, because I'm afraid of hurting some of you who already went down kind of a bad path, we can't help them. Can we agree on that before I say what I'm going to say, and then you all get mad at me, and I feel it? And By the way, it's Pastor Appreciation Month this month, so you got to like me no matter what today. And on top of that, it's my 16th anniversary today of being your pastor, 16 years ago today. So you got to treat me good no matter what. I... No, thank you. I, I, I need, you know, I need, uh, I'm going to need some leeway here. When you're sitting there mad, instead of getting mad, say amen, because if somebody had told you this when you were 10 or 11 or 12, it might have been a little different. That's where you're supposed to say amen. All right. So here we go. We're living in a messed up and disorganized world today of fatherless children. Homes of key components missing in their development. Now listen to me. If either parent is missing, children suffer. Preacher, that offends me. I'm sorry. I don't want to offend you. I'm not trying to offend you, but it is a fact. My mom and my dad were key components to my development. Key components. There are things that I would not have in my character had my mom not been in my life. She taught me how to be sensitive. She taught me how to treat a lady. She taught me how to be a gentleman. She taught me how to be clean. Wasn't my dad. My dad never one time said, son, go get in the shower. I never once walked out. He, did, he never once asked me, did you wash behind your ears? Now, my mom was concerned about these things. Not one time did my dad say, son, go in there and brush your teeth. He just didn't even think about it. By the way, I've carried on their traditions. My kids have never heard those words come out of my mouth, really. I don't even think about it. My mother, would, she'd say, did you brush your teeth? You weren't in there very long. Yes, ma'am, I brushed it. Get over here. She'd smell my breath. How many of you have ever been in that, done that for your kids? My mom taught me to love Jesus. Now, my dad was a preacher. But I'm going to tell you something. It was my mom that set me on the bed at night before I went to bed and taught me the, the, the words to Jesus loves me. 
It was my mom that helped me memorize John 3.16, the very first verse I ever memorized. My dad was a good man, but my mother was most responsible for my spiritual development. And had she not been there, it would have gone undone. My dad was a busy man. He worked very hard. He worked long hours. He was at the church many hours doing what, what and by the way, if he wasn't a pastor, he had been working somewhere. My mother took it very serious, the development of her. And I praise the Lord. My dad was at work. My mother had four children by the time she was 22 years of age. She had my sister. 18 months later, she had me. 14 months later, she had twin boys. She got married at 18, right out of high school. They got married about two months after they graduated. They've been married over 50 years, 51 years to be exact. Thank you. I'm proud of that. My dad worked, and if my dad had not been a preacher, he'd have worked somewhere. My mom was at home with us kids. She raised us, and she taught us to love the Lord, and she taught us rules. I was horrified of my mom. My dad was a little easygoing. I could get by him sometimes. Mother, if she said, we'd be at Walmart, we'd be acting like little idiots. My brothers and I would get bored. She'd go shopping, and we'd get bored. So we'd get in trouble. Inevitably, at some point, Wait till we get home, you're going to get it. Now, my dad would say that. Sometimes he'd just get busy and, you know, he'd get over the anger and get a little compassionate. We knew it. We didn't bring it up, and only an idiot would bring it up. You ever notice how your kids get real sweet and nice when you've told them they're getting a whooping when they get home? Now, I'm going to tell you something. My mama never once let it go. We got home, and I'd be acting all sweet. I'd be carrying in the groceries, and I'd tell her, Mom, I love you. You look so beautiful today. She'd say, well, thank you. Then all of a sudden, Dad comes. She'd say, Glenn, I told Rusty he's getting a whooping when we get home. Dad'd be like, all right, we go in the room. I'm like, is there not going to be a trial here? Do you not want to hear my side? I mean, what? Man, she never once let it go. Now, I'm going to tell you something. My mom played a big part in me standing behind that desk today. She taught me to love the Lord. She did. My dad was gone a lot. But on the same token, my dad taught me how to be a man. Sometimes I'd come in from school, and I know your kids don't do this, but sometimes I'd come in and be whiny, complaining about how hard my life was and how the teachers are unfair. My mom would want to cuddle me. You know, she'd want to get me over and say, come here, son. Dad say, boy, life's hard. Get over it. My mom would be like, Glenn, we're going up to that school. We're going to meet with that teacher. Dad would be like, Carolyn, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We're going to go up to the school. We're going to get alternate facts. You think our son wouldn't tell us the truth? Yeah. My dad taught me how to work on vehicles and how to fix things and how to get dirty and taught me how to hunt, taught me how to fish, taught me how to play basketball. Buy me a basketball for my fifth birthday, Brother Mike. Put up a little goal out there in the backyard. He'd come home from work. He'd say, son, grab your ball. We'd go out there and shoot baskets for a minute before dinner. My dad taught me the fear of God. My dad taught me by example not to quit. My dad taught me by example not to leave your wife whenever you're... And by the way, my mom and dad had struggles. A lot of people don't know this. They've been public about it. I'm not telling you anything that 
I shouldn't tell. My mom and dad almost divorced when I was 14 years of age. That's, that's shocking, isn't it? I praise the Lord they didn't. My dad and mom went and got some, they went to a very good marriage counselor, and it was simple adjustments. My dad went from being a, a farm boy, a country boy, became a pastor, started the church with 19 people first Sunday, and within eight years it had 2,200 members in it. And he was preaching all over America. Ended up having five little kids at home with a mother, a wife, who my dad just kind of forgot about. Now, he'll tell you that. I'm not telling you anything that I don't have liberty to say. My mother spent weeks almost like a single mom. Dad would leave Monday morning, fly back in Friday. He was in demand, and the church was huge, and when he was at home, he was either dealing with the church or he was getting ready to go preach somewhere. All of us preachers end up in some of that, but I remember it went on for years where... We just had an empty spot at the table where dad would normally sit and a wife that felt kind of forgotten and abandoned. Dad didn't mean for that to happen. He didn't want that to happen. Now dad was always a good dad. He took time to take us boys hunting and do the things, play ball. He was at our ball games. But you know, he ran a church, he ran a college, he ran a very large Christian school. It had about 250 kids in it. Man, it's just seven days a week he had to be somewhere. They just drifted apart. It happens, doesn't it? Well, my dad, when he realized this, realized the hurt that he had brought to my mother, for lack of a better word, it was abandonment. Just kind of left her there to run, raise five kids, and he just wasn't there. They just drifted apart. They went and got counseling, and they went to a very godly counselor who helped them, and my dad humbled himself and realized that he needed to make some changes, and he did. My dad resigned that big work there in Hot Springs, realizing that it would be something he could never do and be a man with five little kids and a wife. He moved to Hawaii. He started a church. My mother's dream was always from a little girl to live in Hawaii. My dad went there, Brother Eddie, and we started a church in the Kailua High School Cafeteria. We spent about four years there. And during that time, the church was important, but what mom and dad did mostly was they repaired their marriage. We spent time together. And I'm thankful for that. Bottom line, I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to get this in. Even preachers have to deal with the roaring lion who walks about seeking whom he may devour. I don't know of anybody that has had a marriage that's trouble-free. I don't have a marriage that's trouble-free. Christy and I have been through times that we want to kill each other. Amen. In times that we had to learn, in times that weren't for the grace of God, we might be a statistic. And if it weren't for being taught Christian principles of forgiveness and passion and, and being compassionate and, and, and having some principles there that, that, that come from the Word of God, we had been a statistic. We're not any better than anybody else. Here's the reality. It was living by the word of God and that foundation that has saved our marriage. It's what saved my mom and dad's marriage because it wasn't our natural state to have a good marriage. You understand what I'm saying? Why do you say that? Because we're all, everybody 
is selfish, self-focused. We have self-needs. We, we, we live by self-protection, self-preservation. One of the biggest things you'll hear in counseling is, he's not fulfilling my needs. Then when you hear the other side, she's not fulfilling my needs. You know one of the biggest principles of marriage in the Bible is that you live to fulfill your mate's needs, not the other way around. Why do people not know that? Because the foundation of the Word of God has been successfully destroyed by the devil. Am I talking truth this morning? And nobody's exempt. Your house is not exempt, Brother Xavier. Mine isn't either. My marriage is just as vulnerable and sometimes maybe even more vulnerable. If the devil can ruin a preacher's home, he can get a lot of homes. I'm very aware of it. You know, that was back in 1984. You know, there are people today that blame my family. I'm telling you things I probably shouldn't tell you, but I'm just going to lay it out there. There are homes in Arkansas that ended up divorced. People that my dad used to pastor. Some of them blame my parents for things way back then that they had marital trouble and it disillusioned them. And my mom and dad were very forthright, didn't hide it. There are people that just had a meltdown over. It's a lot to bear, isn't it? It's a lot to bear. The old devil's good, isn't he? I don't mean he's good-natured. I mean he's good at what he does. He, he's, he's crafty. He's a horrible person. He loves a messed up and disorganized world. He loves to see little fatherless boys missing a crucial piece of the life development puzzle. He loves to see little motherless children who will never know the, the, the love that a mother can bring into a home. And they, both components are important for the development. And things that are made with components, those components are made to work together. I mean, take, a, take one component out of the transmission of your car when you, when you build a transmission. Just take one component out. You could say, well, there's, there's many components. Surely one's not going to make a difference. Take that one component out and put it all back together and put it in your car and see what happens. Robert... Is that transmission going to work right with one component? You're telling me that you're so narrow-minded that it can have 50 components, and if you leave one out, the other 49 are helpless? That transmission's not going to work? That seems narrow-minded to me. That seems like you're just kind of a negative person. Where's the positivity? Robert, am I right? I mean, this fan's got a lot of components. You can take it apart. Put it back together and leave, you know, motor out of it. Is it going to work? You know why we're failing today? We're missing components in our homes. We're missing components. And, and people are all wondering, and they're going to Dr. Phil and Oprah and whoever else to try to figure out. No, the component is God. The component isn't a bunch of psychobabalism. The, the, the component is we need to get God back in our homes and get the church back in our home and get Bible reading and scripture and biblical principle back into our home. And the devil has succeeded in destroying the home because he has messed up and disorganized it. We need to get dads back in the home. Amen? Dads need to be raising their sons. We don't need to... Listen, I'm for people bridging the gap and I'm for men that have been there for fatherless boys. And it's part of the, the mission of a church is to be there for fatherless children. But I'm going to tell you something. 
Dads, be there for your kids. Be there for them. Listen, I don't want somebody else to teach Julian how to, fight, how, to, how to tie a fishing hook. I want to teach him. I don't want to have to leave him to the school for him to learn how to properly shoot a jump shot. We go down to the park, play basketball sometimes, and I've gotten out there and trained you and worked with you and shot you, taught you how to shoot it properly and hold the ball. It's getting now where he can beat me, so I don't play him as much anymore. He's on his own now, but, but son, who taught you how to shoot a layup? Who taught you how to shoot a bow? Who taught you how to load a gun and shoot it safely? Who taught you how to be extremely and incredibly cool at all times? <laughs> Mom's like, wait a minute now, I must object. But I'll tell you something, his mama taught him how to be courteous, how to have manners. I mean, listen, we were a team. I couldn't have done it without her. She can't do it without me. We need to be together on this. Now look, I know this isn't politically correct. And I understand the current culture. But we need to seek a Christ-like culture and not a modern culture. I can't help what's going on over Pine Hills where the majority of the homes are fatherless. Most of them haven't put themselves under my preaching. Unfortunately, you did. Now you deserve what you get, Amen. Men, be at home with your kids and, and be a dad that's there. Don't stray, don't run away. It's not work that that girl flirt with you at work. She is not going to make you happy. Go ahead and leave everything that God has given you, everything you've worked for and wanted and prayed for. That wife and those children were an answer to prayer that you had at one time to God. I'm going to tell you, that, that floozy at work, once you get her, she's going to have the same issues that you got with your current wife. Well, one makes me feel young again. Well, once you've been married three months, you're going to be surprised how old she's going to make you feel. I just don't understand how we've let the devil ruin something so beautiful. Mothers, stay at home. I mean, I don't mean you don't have to work. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is don't run away and leave your family. Don't do it. Don't do it. Be there. I know it's hard. I know you get stressed, and I know sometimes you don't feel appreciated, and I know a lot of your work, just like you know, raising kids, and a lot of that falls on a mother. It really does. The stress of the details and and they always feel, a lot of women complain that they always feel like the bad guy. I feel like at home, I'm always the one having to get on to the kids. And I'm always the one, did you do your homework? Did you take a shower? Did you brush your teeth? Did you clean your room? And I feel like I'm not getting any help. I know that happens. But I want to tell you, I want to encourage you. I, I, you know, you can, you can marry 10 different men over your life. It's going to always come back to... A lot of these same issues. A lot of it is just, you know, some men will be better than others. Some men are more cultured, more, more charactered. But I don't know an issueless home. I don't know a marriage that's 100% no complaint. You, know, you exchange one set of problems for another. 
It's kind of like that boy who told his dad. He said, Dad, I'm sick and tired of you telling me what to do. You tell me when to go to bed. You tell me when to get up. You tell me how to dress. You tell me to get a haircut. I want you to know I'm 18 today. I turned 18. I don't have to listen to you anymore telling me what to do. So I'll have you know this morning I enlisted into the Marine Corps. Amen? Your daughter would relate with that, wouldn't she? Rebecca? All that boy did was exchange one set of stress for another. Truth of it is, you're not going to go anywhere where there's not stress, and you're not going to go anywhere where there's not things that, that are issues. Stay, don't stray. The devil has done these three things by destroying our homes. He's created these things, a collapse in the local church, a world of immorality and confusion that has sprung up from this. We have seen a messed up and disorganized world of fatherless children. Key components. You know, children are trying to put their life together. They're trying to figure things out, and it's a, an awesome time when you're a child growing up and there's all the discovery all the firsts. You know what I'm talking about? Shaylee, all the firsts. There's a lot of things coming for you that are firsts. You still have your wedding day in front of you to look forward to it. You still have the day to look forward to when you get to hold your baby for the first time. That is going to be one day. Amen. Maybe in the very distant future. It's coming. All you girls. Zara, there's a lot of firsts coming for you. A lot of firsts. And as you're going through preparing for those firsts, life's like a big old puzzle. Each piece. Now here's what's happening in our homes today with our kids. And it's not their fault, it's our fault. Now again, I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. Some of you adults, listen, but we do have young children in here. Terry, a lot of firsts coming for you. You've got a chance on this side of it to do it right. You've got a chance. The things that are missing in your life, the things that have made your life complicated, when you're putting together this big puzzle, suddenly you get to a part where the whole middle is missing four pieces. Can the puzzle ever be complete? We're living in a world, and as a guy who does a lot of counseling, I'm dealing with young people who are trying to piece it together. They're trying to have good homes now that it's their turn. They're trying to raise good kids, but there's so many pieces of the puzzle missing. They don't know how to sometimes be a good dad. They didn't have one. Sometimes they don't know how to be a good mom. They didn't have one. They don't know how to be a loving husband. They never saw one. They don't know how to get up in the morning and have character and go to work. They never saw a good example of that. They had a dad that quit every job he ever had and was lazy, and mom had to scream. They fought over money constantly, and he always had a reason, always had an excuse. And that's what he grew up. That was the piece of the puzzle that goes there now. And they're trying to make it all work. And they're stuck in a vortex of only repeating, and it never stays, it always goes a little worse. It goes a little worse. They're used to the puzzle being when your wife makes you mad, you scream, yell, and curse her out. That was the example they saw growing up. When your kid makes you mad, you hit him. You slap him, you punch him, you kick him. That's how they were raised. And that's the piece of puzzle that goes there. Listen, I'm, these are uncomfortable topics, and I'm, I'm winding down here. 
And I didn't even get to the main part of the outline. This was all the introduction, and I'm done. I'm out of time. I want to just reiterate. The home is a foundation that God ordained. The devil hates it. We have got to get back to making the home important. You've got to get back to having a godly home. A home that is built on the foundation of that that book right there, the Bible. If we don't do it, what other hope is there? Y'all see society getting better? You see our world improving? We just went through a nightmare as Americans trying to nominate a judge. You know what the key issue is here? Don't be deceived. It's one issue. It's people who want the right to kill their unborn child. Somewhere in the corner, the devil is laughing his head off. Because he doesn't want homes. By the way, nobody's innocent in this thing. One thing we do learn is that people that otherwise are decent, moral, and good, you put a little alcohol in them and they act like idiots. I bet Judge Kavanaugh wishes he could go back and not go to some of them parties he went to. Amen? Huh. Rough, huh? Let's bow for a word of prayer.